Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast. This is Pastor Mike with the Aliante Community Baptist Church. We invite you, your family, and friends to join us as we study God's Word. So, let's begin. requested by Marley for weeks. So I was sitting there thinking, well, when did you have that time to practice that? <laughs> yeah. uh, of course, some of you didn't realize, but uh, Miss Ginger was in the hospital in the last few weeks. And so, and, uh, so we're very, very thankful that uh, she's here today. Amen. Amen. <laughs> And you said that was the theme from Exodus. Exodus. Yes. And it's quite fitting, actually, because uh, uh, this past uh, Friday, the 
our Jewish brothers and sisters uh, celebrated uh, Rosh Hashanah, the head of the year, the, the, the new year, the Jewish new year. So uh, very fitting, very fitting indeed. But I'd like you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Matthew as uh, we continue studying there and uh, the 27th chapter and uh, beginning at the 27th uh, verse. And we're looking at the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus in the last uh, several weeks. We looked at the, the Last Supper, the betrayal, the denial, the forsaking of the Lord Jesus by his, uh, his disciples, his uh, mock trial in the evening, which was illegal, and then the trial before Pilate. And then, of course, he was condemned to death. And so today we'll be looking at, at the crucifixion. And if you're here today and you have never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the most important decision that you will ever make in your life is to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. There are all kinds of religions in the world and there are all kinds of philosophies. And there are many people in hell today because they believed in those religions or they believed in those philosophies. Because religion will not save you. And philosophy will not save you. Education will not save you. Wealth will not save you. Talent will not save you. Being in a particular family will not save you. The only one who can save you is the Lord Jesus Christ. We had a Sunday school lesson today, a very powerful Sunday school lesson. And we thank our Sunday school teachers, Brother Roger and Miss Darlene and Miss Carol, who take the time to study and to prepare and then to, to teach and to do so without compromise. And we do not compromise on the truth of God's holy word and the fact that there is but one Savior. And there is one way to be saved, and that is through the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no other Savior. There is no other Messiah. There is no other Deliverer. But in this lesson, we, we learned how that People of his time rejected him and also accused him basically of being possessed by the devil. And today there are people who refuse to accept him. They refuse to believe that he is the Son of God. And you see, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as Savior and you, you reject him, you refuse to accept him, you can say that you believe in God, but guess what? That's not correct. Because you will not know God apart from God's Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said of himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes unto the Father but through me. That is, through the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we're going to look at the crucifixion today. And beginning at verse 27 in chapter 27. 
Then the soldiers and the governor took Jesus into the praetorium, the courtyard, and gathered the whole garrison around him. And they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. When they had twisted a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and a reed in his right hand. And they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. Then they spat on him and took the reed and struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they took the robe off him and put his own clothes on him and led him away to be crucified. Now as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. Him they compelled to bear his cross. And when they had come to a place called Golgotha, that is to say, place of a skull, they gave him sour wine mingled with gall to drink. But when he had tasted it, he would not drink. Then they crucified him and divided his garments, casting lots that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Sitting down, they kept watch over him there, and they put up over his head the accusation written against him. This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Then two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and the other on the left. Those who passed by blasphemed him, wagging their heads and saying, You who destroyed the temple and built it in three days, save yourself if you are the Son of God. Come down from the cross. Likewise, the chief priests also, mocking with the scribes and elders, said, He saved others. Himself he cannot save. If he is the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross, and we will believe him. He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now, if he will have him. For he said, I am the Son of God. Even the robbers who were crucified with him reviled him with the same thing. Now from the sixth hour till the ninth hour, there was darkness over all the land. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of those who stood there, when they heard that, said, this, this man is calling for Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine, and put it on a reed, and offered it to him to drink. The rest said, let him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth quaked, and the rocks were split, and the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the graves after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. So when the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and the things that had happened, they feared greatly, saying, Truly, this was the Son of God. And many women who followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering to him, were there looking on from afar, among whom were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and Mary and the mother, rather, of Zebedee's sons. Let's pray, please. Our Father in God, as we study your holy word, we pray that you will speak to our hearts. Illuminate our understanding by your Holy Spirit, 
Enable us, O Lord, to understand and to recognize and to acknowledge that your will was fulfilled in the life and the death and the resurrection of your Holy Son, our Savior, the Lord Jesus. And, O Lord, we pray that you would speak and touch every heart and life here today and every family. We come one day closer to your return, one year closer, O Lord, to your return. We pray for those who were lost. We pray for those who were troubled. We pray for those who are struggling. We pray, dear Father, for those who are confused by life and what this world <coughs> holds up as important. We pray for clarity of thought. We pray, dear Father, that by your Holy Spirit you will touch lives and save lives today. In Jesus' name, amen. And so the Lord Jesus Christ is, is condemned to death and the soldiers then take him and they surround him. The Roman Praetorian Guards, they're a, an elite group there serving at the pleasure of Punctius Pilate. Now I've been in the military and many who are here today have been in the military and you know that, uh, uh, that uh, guys in the military can be quite gross. They can be quite cruel and harsh. And so what do they do? Well, they harass Jesus. They surround him. They strip him naked. They take off his clothes. They put on uh, a scarlet robe and uh, they make a, a crown of thorns, and they put that on his head, and a reed symbolizing a scepter. You know, a king has to have a scepter. And so then what do they do? They begin to mock him, and they bow down. Oh, hail, king of the Jews. But unknown to them, unknown to them, he truly was and is. Not only the king of the Jews, but the king of all creation. And they saw him as, as weak and, and feeble. Oh, but he was anything but that. Now, Psalm 22. I want you to turn to Psalm 22. And as you do turn to Psalm 22, I want to inform you that if you, if you don't already know this, Psalm 22 was written some seven to eight hundred years before Jesus ever walked upon the earth. Written some seven hundred to eight hundred years before Jesus walked upon the earth in his earthly ministry. But it's referred to as the Messianic Psalm. And I want you to look at these verses here, 12 through 13, especially, and we'll read those. Many bulls have surrounded me. Strong bulls of Bashan have encircled me. They gape at me with their mouths like a raging and roaring lion. 
and I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax that has melted within me. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue clings to my jaws. You have brought me to the dust of death, for dogs have surrounded me. The congregation of the wicked has enclosed me. And then they pierced my hands and my feet. I count all my bones. They look and stare at me. They divide my garments among them. And for my clothing, they cast lots. And then back to the first verse and notice what is written. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Is that familiar to you? You see, it was written some seven to eight hundred years before Jesus would utter those words upon the cross. Because he is pointing, see, even on the cross, the Lord Jesus Christ is teaching the people. Because this was recognized by the rabbis as a messianic psalm. And he is pointing to that psalm. He is pointing to the Word of God because Jesus is the living Word of God. He lived by the Word of God and he continued to proclaim the Word of God even as he died there upon the cross. But let's turn back now to Matthew. And so it's not enough that they slap him around. They have to spit on him and assault him. Now in Isaiah chapter 52 and verse 14, you can actually read there, they didn't realize that what they were doing was fulfilling the scripture. Because the scripture there in Isaiah 52, 14 says that he would be beaten and that his, his visage, his appearance would be so marred that he would no longer be recognized. Now you have to recall that he had already been whipped with the cat of nine tails. That they had already beaten him and whipped him with this whip that was designed with these nine leather straps with bone and metal sewed into each one of these straps. And that every time they struck him with that whip that his, his body was just shredded. And now they mock him, slap him around, spit upon him. And the Bible teaches he could have called out 12 legions of angels. But he stood there and he endured. For you and for me and for the rest of humanity. And so when they're done assaulting him and spitting upon him and beating him and slapping him around and, and ridiculing him, he's taken to be crucified. Golgotha, place of the skull. And scholars, they debate where this location is. And remember that Jerusalem is much larger today than it was during the time that Jesus lived but it was outside of, of the city. And he's crucified. And we read from 
Psalm 22. But I want you to turn to Isaiah chapter 53. Because you see, Isaiah chapter 53 was also written some seven to 800 years before the Lord Jesus Christ walked upon the earth. Because the Bible throughout the Old Testament prophesies of the Messiah. And one of the reasons that the Jewish people of his time refused to accept Jesus is because the Bible describes him in, in several different ways. Primarily, two, as a suffering servant and a conquering king. And they were looking for a conquering king because they were under Roman oppression. They wanted a king like David, a warrior, who would then rise up against Rome and bring back the glory of Israel. But he came as the suffering servant, as described in Isaiah. Let's turn there. Isaiah chapter 53. It's so amazing that God can speak through a man like Isaiah, the prophet, so many years in advance describing what the Lord Jesus would experience. Isaiah chapter 53 and beginning at verse 1. Who has believed our report and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness and when we see him there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from the prison and from judgment. And who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people he was stricken. And they made his grave with the wicked. Let's turn back to Matthew. <coughs> Jesus is crucified. The Bible says that they put the, the nails into his hands and then into his feet. And then the soldiers cast lots for his clothes. And although we didn't read that, you can turn there and read that in Psalm 22:18. It says, and for my vesture, for my garments, they cast lots. All of this was prophesied seven to eight hundred years before it actually occurred. And then over on the cross, above his head, there is written this placard, 
This is Jesus, the king of the Jews. And tradition says that it was written in three languages. Hebrew, Greek, and Latin. Of course, of course, the Jewish people spoke Hebrew, and many of them also spoke Greek, but the Greek was the, considered the universal language of the time, and the, the Romans spoke Latin as well as Greek. So they put it up there on the cross for everyone to see. And in the other Gospels, they describe how that the chief priests protested. They protested and they said, don't say that he's the king of the Jews. Say that he, he said that he was the king of the Jews. And Pilate said, what I have written, I have written. And it was true, and it is true. He is the king of the Jews. And notice that the events of the crucifixion fulfill scripture. Jesus was crucified between two criminals. And in chapter 53 it says he was numbered with the criminals. He's numbered with the criminals and treated as though he were a common criminal. The Bible says that he would be mocked and that he would be rejected. And he was mocked and rejected. Now, you know, there are people today who want you to believe that all of that stuff was written after this happened to Jesus. They want you to believe that this Bible is not reliable. Sadly, there is a tremendous amount of ignorance, not only here in the United States, but around the world among the human race. We've shared many times that the Bible is the most verified and uh, writing from antiquity that we have in all of human history. There is more evidence for the scripture than any other writing. We've mentioned before that the writings of Aristotle and Plato that are taught in universities around the world as well as various histories of the, of the Romans and, and other civilizations. Yet they have one or two ancient manuscripts. And here's an interesting uh, piece of information. The closest that we have to an original writing of Plato is a copy that was made 400 years after Plato actually lived. See, most people don't know that. You say, well, why is that important? Well, because in linguistics and in studying writings from antiquity, you want to get as close to the original source as possible. It's referred to as a primary source. Well, guess what? Jesus lived in the first century. So did the apostles. And they wrote in the first century. You follow? Of all of the writings from antiquity, the Bible has the most verifiable evidence. I mentioned before that the other writings they have, like one or two, I think the most 
that one has is 11 copies from antiquity. And how many do we have of the scripture, the books of the Bible? Tens of thousands. Tens of thousands. The evidence is overwhelming. And when archaeologists study and determine that they want to do a dig in the Middle East to find a particular civilization, where do they look? They go here to the Bible to locate it. Now, when archaeology was in its infancy, and they, they, they made their initial digs, they would often find civilizations that didn't agree or jive with what the Bible taught them. So they initially said, oh, the Bible is not accurate. This was way back in the, in the 1800s. Oh, but as they continued to dig, and dig, and dig, what they discovered was that one civilization was built upon another civilization that had existed prior to it. And then that one was built upon another. And as they continued digging, lo and behold, what did they find? They found that the Bible was accurate, and that everything was where it said it was located. And today, it is amazing, amazing the discoveries that are being made. You see, you have to remember that the Jewish people did not live in Israel 100 years ago. Yes, there were some people there, but they were primarily spread throughout the nations of the world. But after World War II, after World War II, the declaration was made that Israel would be a sovereign nation. The scripture says, in the book of Isaiah, the prophet, that a nation will be born in a day. And Israel was born, if, if you will, in the modern age, in a day. In May, after World War II. And they've been moving back to Israel ever since because the Bible says that God in the latter time will draw his people from the four corners of the earth back to Israel. And Israel is there today. And since Israel has been there, and as the Jewish people continue to move back to Israel, more and more archaeological digs are now being done, and more and more things are being discovered. Verifying and validating the biblical record. Jesus quotes from the Messianic passage, Psalm 22, 1, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And it's hard for us when we read that, we think, well, he's... Is he crying out to be delivered? No. No. And you see the physical pain of, of the cross. Well, that, that was actually, I don't want to say the easy part, but the easier experience. Because there upon the cross, the Bible teaches that God poured out his wrath upon the Son. And it was as if Jesus became guilty of the sin of the entire human race. 
guilty of your sin, guilty of my sin, guilty of the sin of every person who would ever walk the earth. He was treated as though he were guilty. And the scripture teaches, he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God through him. He purchased with his, with his life the forgiveness. The forgiveness of God. And he yielded up his life. Jesus could not be killed by the soldiers. It was impossible for them to kill him. And the Bible teaches very clearly, Jesus said of himself, no one takes my life from me. My life I lay down of my own authority. I have the authority to lay it down, and I have the authority to take it back again, which he did on the third day, and we'll look at in the future. But what's so important here is when Jesus yielded up his life, as we've read, the veil in the temple was torn in two from the top to the bottom, signifying that God tore the veil in the temple. Judgment fell upon the temple and the priests. Why? Because they rejected the Son of God who came to his temple. He came to his own, the Bible says, and his own received him not. But his death there upon the cross opened for us access to the Holy of Holies, to the throne of God's mercy. The veil of the temple was torn from top to bottom. And this wasn't just any ordinary curtain. The curtain was so large that it's estimated to weigh somewhere between 250 and 300 pounds several inches thick, all braided, some 60 feet by some 30 or 40 feet, torn from the top to the bottom. And you see the Holy of Holies was where the, the high priest and only the high priest could enter once a year on the day referred to as Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. But he first had to offer a sacrifice for his own sin before he could go in and offer the blood for the sin of the people. And if he did something in there that wasn't right, he could be struck dead. So tradition says that he had a rope tied around his, his leg. Because if he died in there, no one else could go in. And they had to pull him out with a rope. But you see, God opened the veil. He made access to his throne of mercy available because Jesus is our high priest. And through the veil of his flesh, he opened up access to the throne of God's grace. So what do we learn from these passages? The crucifixion of Jesus is the fulfillment of Scripture. You've probably heard people say, well, you know, there was only one perfect guy, and you know what they did to him, right? They flippantly said. Now, Jesus was born for the purpose of dying. Jesus came into the world 
as a baby for the purpose of going to that cross. It was a fulfillment of God's will. He came because he is the spotless Lamb of God who by his blood, his shed blood, takes away the sin of the human race. Our Lord Jesus endured humiliation and the wrath of God. Imagine that. From eternity past, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit united as one because they are one in a relationship of, of love and peace and harmony and unity. And here on the cross, the Son now endures the wrath of the Father. Now understand something here, because you've probably heard people say, well, this is, you know, then, then God forsook him. God the Father is omnipresent. There is nowhere where you can go that God does not exist. Understand? God is present. You can't run away from God. And you might think that you can do something in secret. Guess what? God knows all about it. You can lie, you can cheat, you can steal and do everything else and think that you're getting away with it. God knows everything. Because he is omniscient. He, he knows everything. And he's all-powerful. He's, he's omnipotent. But he was present there with his son. You understand? Because Jesus is quoting from Psalm 22. He's pointing to that psalm. And everyone there, especially the chief priests and the, and the rabbis, they know the psalm. They know what he's saying. And they refuse to believe him. But notice, we read here, that there was darkness from about 12 o'clock in the afternoon to about 3 o'clock. And there was a tremendous earthquake. But the very creation itself groaned at the thought that its creator, because he is the creator. You see, Jesus is God the Son. He is the Son of God, but he is God the Son. He is the creator. He is the one through whom everything has come into existence. And the very creation groaned at the idea that its creator had now died. And during that, that dark period, and it was not an eclipse because the Passover was celebrated, and Passover is celebrated during a full moon. But supernaturally, the darkness as God's wrath falls upon the sun. Jesus, our Lord Jesus, literally gave up his life to save humanity. Now earlier we said, it is the most important decision that you will ever make in your life, and it is. To either accept Jesus as your Savior or to reject him. The Bible teaches, Jesus himself said, all manner of sin shall be forgiven. All manner of sin shall be forgiven. Except for this one sin. And what is that sin? Blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. An unwilling, unyielding 
heart that refuses and rejects Christ as Savior, when God the Holy Spirit, through God's Holy Word, makes it clear to you that Jesus is the Son of God and He is the only Savior, and you refuse Him, and you reject Him. If you die in that state, you will spend eternity in hell. That's not a popular message with people these days. But it's popular with God. God wants us to live. And he wants us to live with him forever. And just as you who have children, you always want the best for your children. And your grandchildren, you, you want the best life for them. And if you could give them the moon, so to speak, that's what you would do. The Bible says that it has not even entered into the mind of humans what God has in store for those who love him. If you've ever been to the Hawaiian Islands, you know, as close to paradise as you could get, or, or some of the other islands, or some other places in the world, such beautiful places, and guess what? Nowhere near, nowhere near what God has in store for those we love him. And the tearing of the veil symbolizes access to the throne of God's mercy. For whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Jesus is our high priest. You say, well, what does that have to do with me? Well, do you know the Lord is your Savior? Do you know that when you die that you will go to be with the Lord in heaven? And when you say, yes, I believe I'm going to go to heaven... Are you trusting in yourself or are you trusting in the Lord? Because there are a lot of people who say, well, you know what? I'm, I'm not a sinner. I, 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 you know, I, I haven't killed anybody. But I'll just bet, I'll just bet, that you have probably said something negative about someone else. You've probably murdered their reputation. You ever thought about that? And I'll just bet that you've, you've had maybe one or two impure thoughts. And maybe you've been just a little selfish from time to time. And maybe you've uttered a curse word here or there. Oh, and the list goes on, doesn't it? And I've mentioned this once before. Did you do everything that your parents told you that you should do? And how about those things that your parents said you shouldn't do? Did you do some of those? Well, I bet if we called for a raising of the hands, every hand should go up. You see, because we're all guilty. We all need to be forgiven. And we all need eternal life. And Jesus has come, and he went to that cross to purchase it for each one of us. So here's the question. Will you accept Jesus as your Savior today? We're going to sing a hymn of invitation. The Savior is waiting. It's God's invitation to you to receive Jesus as your Savior. And so where you are as we sing, give your heart, your life to Christ. To ask Him to forgive you in a simple act of faith through prayer. Lord Jesus, 
I confess that I'm a sinner. I, I, I've done things that I'm ashamed of. And I ask you to come into my heart to forgive me. I, I acknowledge that you died upon the cross. You went to the cross. You paid the penalty for my sin. And I receive you as my Lord and Savior. And I ask you to give me eternal life. And, and the Bible teaches, as we just read there, whosoever, that means whoever, calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Give your heart and your life to him. And then we'll ask you to make it public. Everyone that Jesus called, he called publicly to come out, to walk down that aisle, and to publicly profess that you've accepted Jesus as your Savior. Or maybe you know Jesus as your Savior, but you've never followed him Believer's baptism, come. It will be our pleasure and privilege to baptize you. So let's stand, please. And let's pray. Father in heaven, we come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus and we pray for those needing to make decisions. We pray, Father, that they will hear and heed your voice as you call in Jesus' name. Amen. We pray that you have been blessed by today's lessons from God's Word, and we invite you to contact us with any questions that you may have, especially questions regarding your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to help you with your walk of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and with your understanding of His Holy Word, the Bible. Our contact information is listed in the podcast show notes. May God richly bless you.